Question and answer time. We got a lot of questions, but we got more answers. We have all the answers, by the way. <laughs> we got a lot of I like that one. How long have you been cooking that one up for? Uh, like 30 seconds. Normally the intro, Chad's like, oh, I don't know what to say. And now he's got the perfect you know, the perfect intro. So what are we at, 43? Yeah. We, we were at a blistering pace that first year, and then we kind of slowed to like every three weeks or so. I think we're going to catch form during the World Cup. That's what that's what it's all about. Like we take our rest, we kind of let the the takes like simmer down a little bit, and then as we ramp up, we go. I already started my Google Doc with all of my preparation for each team that we'll share, that we'll podcast about, and stuff. So, and I think that'll be cool. But it, it takes some work, right? And we don't want to jump into that too quickly. We we try to build. We're trying to build. Um, so let's start off. Uh, what are you wearing? Union kit, I mean, playoffs, Eastern Conference final coming up. Um, can't go wrong with Union kit this time of year. I don't even know what year this is. Bimbo on the front, though. I'm guessing that's like 2015, like Vincent Noguera, Tranquilo Barnetta type era. Yeah, because it still has the gold. We don't really yeah. wear the gold as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jersey fire. Thanks, bro. What do you got on? So I'm wearing, uh, I think I wore it before. It's, uh, I'm guessing, like a 1990 Columbia national team jersey. Uh, Coach Johnny gave it to me. Um, he, he's Colombian. It's just like, it's kind of silky, like bright yellow. It's just such like an old school jersey. It has like a blue like collar. I don't know how people like worked out in these things. It's so thick, but it's pretty cool. I'm a sucker for collar jerseys. Yeah, I got it when I was like probably like 10 or 11. And like it fits me now, so there's no way it fit me back then. Yeah, it's like it's like one of those old kits where you look at it and you're like, all right, that's class. Did you have it? Wait, um, remember when we went to the USA Columbia game? Yeah. Did you have it then? Yeah, I didn't wear it. I wore my Josie yeah. Outdoor jersey. All right. But yeah, we went to the US Columbia game. It was a friendly at PPL Park back in twenty ten, after the World Cup. And Johnny went with us, but he wore his like the jersey of his favorite club team in Columbia. But he said if he knew I would have had that, he would have worn this instead. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. All right, so what's on the uh, agenda for today? So we sent out a, a few posts uh, throughout mm-hmm. the week asking for some questions for our Q&A coming up. We thought it would be a good idea. With the World Cup coming up, uh, in full swing of the seat, um, European season, MLS is coming to an end. We think it would be a good time to do a Q&A. So we got tons of different questions all over the board, but we narrowed it down to eight questions. Okay. Some good eight questions. So we can uh, hop into that whenever you're ready. Yeah, do, do you have them split up by, like, topic, or do you just want to kind of, like, jump around a little bit? Yeah, let's jump around a little bit. I mean, there's some on the U.S., some on other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's some that incorporate U.S. and other soccer. Oh, it's so, gonna get wild. Yeah, it's and then uh, and then I'll leave the two World Cup questions at the end. Okay, 
All right, so let's do it. This will be our last two. What's the first one? Let's see. Let's see. Something to get us warmed up. Mm. That's what I'm going to go for. Um, okay. I'll start with the little USMNT question. Let's do it. Who do you think the USMNT's best player will be over the next two World Cups? So playing a guitar in 22 and playing in 26 in the U.S.? Yes, and this includes club as well. Includes the player that's going to be playing in the next two World Cups and, I guess, club in between. So it also sounds like someone that has to be playing in 22. Like, it can't be somebody that, like, rises to prominence in, like, 24 Becomes like an absolute baller by 26. Like it's somebody that's playing in both. Pretty much now, yeah. All right. I think um, I know what you're going to say, but. I don't think you have any idea what I'm going to say. Uh, I think there's two ways to go about it, right? Like, I think talent-wise, I've been on the podcast before saying Giorena is like the most talented player we've ever developed in terms of what he could do. And then everyone's always like, oh, but he can, can he stay healthy? So. Like, I, I don't know if I could go that route. But, like, the class is there. He scored his first goal for Dortmund, first Bundesliga goal for Dortmund since, like, August of 21 this past weekend. Um, do you think it's someone like Chris Richards? Like, I feel like that's the safest. Like, because to me, I think he's going to at least get one start in the World Cup. And I think he'll solidify himself as probably a Premier League starter in between. And then by 26, I think he'll be like the guy at center back. Kind of like a like a Bocanegra or somebody was in 2010. And then like he's just there. Now, I don't think he'll reach the heights that Reyna could reach. But if we're saying like who's the first name on the team sheet, if, if you just picked a random month in like 2023, 24, 25 – you're like, who's the first name on the team sheet? Like, I'm I'm gonna guess it's probably like Chris Richards. Yeah, because you think so many young players have came through within the past four or five years. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of center backs, right? You think Chris Richards is soon to be the guy at center back. Yeah. That's a good shout. And I I am honestly higher on Mark McKenzie, but one that's kind of a personal thing. Like, I don't think as many people feel that way. And I don't think he he, even if he makes the plane of guitar, I don't think he's going to play. But Richards, I think, is at least going to get one game. Yeah. I also think, like, Matt Turner could be a sneaky shout, but, like, I'm, I'm not much of a goalie guy. But he, I think Turner's going to take the next step as well. But what, what do you think? So, I was thinking Weston McKinney. It's kind of chalky. Oh, come on. But I've said in the past, I think he <laughs> plays best when Weston plays his best. So if the U.S. are playing well, I think it's a product of be- it's Weston playing well. Or is it more just he plays well when the game is easy and he doesn't play well when the game is hard? Well, you could look at it either side. But when we play the best, Weston is the best player on the field. And so, he's playing very well for Juventus. This is right now. Playing very well for Juventus. You could see him turning into – I mean, what is his ceiling? Maybe it's not as high as – it is right now. Like, maybe he can be a lot better than what he is right now. But some people probably think he he can't reach, like, super high heights, like one of the best centermen in the world type of thing. You yeah, know? I think he's about at his ceiling now. 
Yeah, but I, mean, I can he see could play him. better, like in terms of soccer, but like in terms of profile, like playing for Juve and being a starter for the men's national team, I don't see him taking another step higher than that. Yeah, but I can see him playing for Juventus and being very good. Like he's already solidified himself almost as a starter. Like he starts in the Champions League. Yeah. He scores he scores goals. Like I think he can add more to his game and if he does, he's I think he'll be the best player for the US over the next two World Cups. Like just puts in good performances for the US. I guess. I also think like when you're talking about that, um kind of lost my train of thought but he, he's a uh, he he is what he is like he's like there's going to be players coming through the system at some point that are just straight up like ball players straight up technicians straight up like creative playmakers that you're gonna be like wow that like pop and Weston's never gonna have that pop yeah. and like Richards is different Richards is a center back but he could still like have like some pop with like his ball playing ability and stuff I, I don't know if Weston's ever gonna have that you know what I'm trying to say yeah, but then again, those types of suppliers, the players that you just said had that that pop, that pop. aren't always the best players. So, best so you're looking at more consistent. The US yeah. Team. yeah. Yeah, I guess there's there's multiple ways to look at it too. So if you had to pick it's interesting that neither of us picked Pulisic. Um And I could see Weston captaining the US too. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be easier and for center back be captain material for his club at some point. Yeah, but also, if if Weston didn't play for Juve, right? Like, like in FIFA, how they don't have Juve's uh, the rights to say Juventus. Like, if you just looked at Juve and were like, he plays for the eighth best team in Serie A that made the Champions League, but is struggling and probably going to get knocked out. Like, I feel like we wouldn't think the same of of that profile of player. Now you add the name Juve to it, it's like, wow, he plays for Juve, but it's a struggling Juve. That's true. That's a good point. Don't mean to you crap all over your take. Juventus probably goes and waves a little bit. Yeah. So Juventus will eventually come back up again. Maybe Weston's part of that squad when they do. But I do like how you, like, okay, Weston's been consistent at Juve while they've struggled, which is a problem, but... Um, like, there's been guys that come in, like Zacharia was doing well in the Bundesliga, comes into Juve, you know, manager change and whatever, and then Zacharia's on his way out, and they don't even want him anymore. And then he goes to wherever he went, to Chelsea or something on loan. Like, now he's just not there. But, that, like, they still want Weston, even with all the transformers and stuff, like, that he's in the team all the time. So I think it, it, it is, like, a positive that people want him. Yeah, what's he been through? Three managers now? Yeah. Maybe, I'm not sure. But, yeah. So your pick is Richards. My pick is Weston. Yeah, but, like, I do want to say, like, I'm a Gio, Giovanni Reina believer in terms of talent. And, like, it's a cop-out, like, basic answer to just sit here and talk about, like, Gio Reyna's health. Like, I feel like that's what they would do on, like, like you know, like an ESPN pregame show. Like, oh, can Gio Reyna stay healthy? But, like, Hercules Gomez. Like, <laughs> ESPN FC over here. Like, but... Like, Gio Reyna's top level is the best player in American soccer history, I think. Now, not like he would have to play games and build up to it as well to get there. But yeah. I was on here before saying the, he could win the ball and door. Still only 19. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> ESPN FC take. 
That is an answer NFC take. All right. Do we want to move on to the next question? Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. All right. More personal question. Who is your ref- favorite retired baller? You could give me two or one. One from the USMNT and one that played club for your favorite club, like the Union, or just overall. Hmm. Do you want to go first? Yeah, because I have it written down. Yeah. I'm just firing these at you. Like <laughs> You didn't even take a look at these. I, I did because I got the questions together. So um, I'm definitely missing some, someone. So my soccer, like I didn't really get into soccer like when I was young, young. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of my favorite players are still playing. So I don't have many like favorite retired players. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I picked up a camera um, Cameroon Samuelato jersey. <laughs> Samuelato. And for some reason, I really liked Samuelato at the time. I think he was a Barcelona player at the time too. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuelato is one. Um, going back and just watching old highlight videos of Yaya Torre. Yaya Torre's a baller, dude. Could do anything on the field. Well, he's part of that Barcelona era as well. Yeah. Um, and then for the U.S. men's national team, pretty chalky as well. But Clint Dempsey, just because we've seen him play like so many times. like How many times do you think we've gone to a USA game with Clint Dempsey playing? Five? Four, yeah, five. I would say so. I'd have to like go back and count, but yeah. And he was the guy on that team. Mm-hmm. The dude, I feel like never missed a penalty kick and always went down the middle. <laughs> he was always at Panenka. <laughs> and then his iconic celebration of when he's going to do the jumping fist bump, but it's almost like he just stops midair and falls yeah, back just, down. Iconic, man. Iconic. And yeah. he's just like a different type of player. He's not like... Type of player you normally see is like a they don't, they don't grow him with they don't grow him like Clint Dempsey anymore. They don't they don't grow him with personality and like creativity and he got that dog in him for sure. He got that dude. He's got a D A W G dog in him. Well, like he's a big, strong forward kind of, but was creative, like with his moves. Like how big do you think he was? He wasn't that big. All right, he's probably like well, big. Like he's bigger. He's not like a small forward. He's like big and he's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. And he wore number two, as an as a as an attacker, which I thought was was cool. I mean, not all the time. He was ten Seattle. sometimes, I guess. For Seattle, he wore number two. So I think he had number nine in, at one point as well. Yeah. Um, so like the club thing, I, I really don't have one like for club. Like I guess there's some players that I liked like in Union history, but um, like a lot of my favorite players are still playing. I guess like Dempsey would be up there for favorite like retired national teamer same with Landon Donovan who like the older I get the more I like not that I don't like him the just like cornier he seemed you know what I mean (laughs) um but like I like Landon Donovan was like the guy that everybody knew when I started getting into it in like the 2006 World Cup like he was the up-and-coming like guy so like I remember young player of the tournament did I see that recently in 2006 Landon Donovan won young player of the tournament no. <laughs> I saw a TikTok. The U.S. came into that World Cup ranked like third in the world or something. It's crazy. Um, Sorry, continue. But he, uh, I mean, maybe in 2002 he won the young player. I don't know. But uh, he was just like the guy then. And I remember I, I was wearing number 
I think he was 14 at one point. I, I was wearing number 14, like when I started playing travel soccer. Then I switched to 21 because he was 21 at some points. Like the Galaxy, like playing FIFA, like you'd always kind of use the Galaxy and Landon Donovan. Uh, but he wasn't like that cool. He was kind of he's kind of a cornball. I could answer both like the Union and the men's national team with Connor Casey, big bald guy that played striker. Like I just liked him. Like there's no, I didn't no I didn't play like him. I didn't like he's just kind of like a random guy that I liked. Um, I don't really have a good answer for that. You know what I mean? It'd be easier if I was just like if I was like a Man United fan and like I I loved like. I don't know, like Rio Ferdinand or something, but I, I didn't. I wasn't, you know? Your first jersey was like a Thierry Henry jersey. I did have a Thierry Henry Arsenal jersey, yeah. D don't ask me why. Like, I think that was just somebody that I knew. And, like, when you played FIFA back in the day on, like, PSP, like, the first club in the English Premier League was Arsenal because it went by alphabetical order. So who's on Arsenal? Thierry Henry. And he was the best player. So I think maybe that's just, like, how I picked up on Thierry Henry. Yeah. So yeah, he's a, he's I guess he says up there as well. I don't have a good answer for that though. Yeah, I couldn't think of an Everton player too, just because they're all you pretty much still playing. Um, Landon Donovan. True. <laughs> I I guess you could say Tim Howard because he's one of the reasons why I started liking uh, Everton as well. Mm -hmm. so that's that's a good a good shout, Tim Howard. Tim Howard. Um. All right, Stick, sticking with the Premier League here. Does Arsenal win the league? <laughs> That's it. That's probably the most basic question. Uh, this set. No. Manchester City is going to win the league. Okay. I mean, I Ar Arsenal can't reach the heights that City could reach. Like, and Arsenal, it takes more out of them to reach the consistency that City could reach as well. Um. Okay, can Arsenal win the league? Not do they, but like, could they? What wasn't could it? Will push? Arsenal win the league? What was it? It wasn't the question. Will Arsenal win the league? Yes. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. reframing it. Can they? Uh, I still don't think so. Like, I'm just not. A, I just think so highly of Manchester City. That's I, I. I just don't have much else to say about it. Like, they're they're really good, and like maybe next year they'll be better. I th I think. Maybe like a prove it year, like finish top four first, and then, then we'll see. Yeah, with City with Holland, it's just OP. I'll play contrarian now. Um, Arsenal don't don't have Champions League. I mean, what are they in Europa? They're yeah, Europa but League. don't clearly prioritize like the Premier League over anything. Yeah. So, yes, and City are probably going to prioritize the Champions League. Mm -hmm. They might at some point. So. When Champions League p picks up in um, the knockout stages, maybe City drop off points in the in the league, and that's when Arsenal can pick up. But then again, Arsenal don't have the depth that City have. Right? Yeah, and then you look at like, I mean, who would take like the biggest hit if uh, you know, depending on the World Cups, like Arsenal would take a big hit if Brazil went deep in a World Cup and like Jesus and Gabriel uh, needed you know needed some rest. Um, but like if like let's say Saliba goes down for Arsenal, like they're in they're in trouble, man. Um, I'm but not like, sure. I'm not sure exactly what the stat was, but I think in the past two years Arsenal have started the same lineup the most times. 
out of any other team. Like, really? They've Arsenal been... just stay consistent with the same lineup. Yeah. And that's how it's been all season so far for Arsenal. Well, it's interesting because, like, some of the guys they've started, like, weren't th- – like, Zinchenko, Saliba, like, weren't there last year. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how, how they form these uh, these rankings. Yeah, I guess if you go Partey, Jaka, Odegaard, midfield, and then, like, maybe, like, Saka, Martinelli, like, that that's fairly consistent. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we're both like in a, in agreement. So like at at their best, like City is much better. But I think we'll have a good feel of it like after the World Cup because we'll see like what their the form of the players and like the fatigue and that kind of stuff. Yeah, when the winter. Also, it's interesting. Like, does Manchester City have no French players? Weird to think about, right? I was gonna say Laporte, but he's now Spanish. Right. <laughs> I was just thinking of the the meme where it's uh, Oasis singing Wonderwall at the concert, and they say like, "Oh, but I don't speak Spanish," and it's <laughs> and they say like, it's Laporte during the national anthem. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I guess he's Spanish now. So yeah, like all right, like Spain could make a deep, or sorry, France could make a deep run, and like Manchester City's not affected. Could be interesting. Yeah. All right, we move on. Question number four. Best unknown youngster. Ooh, this is something I should have prepared for. So you can think of, you got anybody in mind right now? I have a few. So, like, the thing is, it's hard for me to say that they're unknown, right? Like, Vitinha, who is my boy, like, he signed for PSG. He's playing for PSG. He's great. The summer of 2021, he was playing for Spain's U21s in the U21 Euros. So he's not an unknown youngster, but he's not mainstream. He went to Wolves and he flopped, and then he went back to Porto. So he was. it was after the summer he flopped for Wolves. So, like, I guess I would consider that an unknown in terms of, like, the mainstream. Um. And now he's like, you know, he's kind of big time. I would say uh, Warren Zaire Emery is like the 16-year-old center midfielder uh, for PSG's youth teams. And he's starting to get like call-ups to the PSG first team. Now he's like, he's on the PSG roster. So like he uh, is clearly like well-known. He's not unknown, but like to the, the mainstream fan, like this guy is going to be the guy. Like I've read a piece saying like he's like the best prospect this this person's ever seen what position is he he's a center midfielder but like if you look at his highlights and all touches like he could clearly play fullback he could clearly clearly play out wide as well he's like thick stocky strong like just so clean with the ball how old is he 16 16 i wonder how much he's worth uh yeah i've never even looked at his trend i like when i first found him like he didn't have a worth because he was so young french yeah i would assume so yeah no, he's not like Laporte. He's this guy's actually this guy's French. <laughs> this guy doesn't even need to speak Spanish. I'm surprised you're not bringing up a Portuguese player. You love. Well, Portuguese. that's the thing. Like I haven't, I have ever since that U21 Euros, I haven't brought up the Portuguese. But I should be able to pick out any Portuguese guy, and he's going to be really good because the Portuguese know what they're doing in youth development. Um, I don't know if there's like anybody else that like I'm like that high on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will say I uh, 
I wanted to watch the U17 Euros this past summer, but it w- just wasn't televised, which is ridiculous. Like, it's 2022. How, are we not, how is there not a way for me to watch this? The U17 Euros. What do you want on ESPN? Yeah, I, I, it was on ESPN Plus in, like, Europe or something, but not here. Dang, yeah. I would watch it, too. You know I would watch that. Yeah, you would. It would take you, like, two weeks, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you would get through it. It would happen three weeks ago. I'd be like, yeah, I still haven't gotten through it yet. But. Yeah. Uh, so I have two. Um, one foreign player, one American. All right. Um, so I don't know if he's unknown, but – People have been talking about him. Like, he's linked to PSG, Real Madrid. This guy, his name's Endrick, Brazilian number nine, left footed, uh, kind of short, but like, kind of, kind of strong. Uh, guy comes at him, you can just flick the ball over your head. Like, classic Brazilian guy playing in the uh, Brazilian league. Okay. He's 16, plays for, started playing for the first team of Palmeiras this year. Mm-hmm. I first heard about him from, an interview with Richarlson, someone asked him this question, like, who's the best? I think I had to have had um, captions on because I don't know Portuguese. Yeah. Richarlson was like, uh, yeah, I think uh, one of the best young players in Brazil right now is Endrick. How do you spell it? E-N-D-R-I-C-K. Endrick. Okay. Um, he's worth $16 million. He's 16 years old, worth $16 million. Wow. So, most likely, he's going to go to one of the big clubs uh, in the next, and maybe in January after the season. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. If you guys got a chance, check him out on YouTube. There's a few highlight videos on YouTube, and he's he's a beast. Um, and then the American player is uh, Adrian Gill. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, he plays at Barcelona? 16-year-old, plays at Barcelona. Um his highlights came about from USMNT videos probably sometime in the summer. And in Spain, like the youth teams, they don't play 11 v 11, right? Like they play like ABA. Yeah. So Spain isn't like the perfect, I was actually reading an article about it, that Spain isn't a perfect model. They just happen to like get by because they're so soccer obsessed. But yeah, I don't think they're playing 11 v 11, you know, at 13 years old. I think it's later. Yeah, his highlights weren't 11 v 11, but um, he was probably like maybe 15, 14, mm-hmm. 14 highlights um, going on. He reminds me of like Frankie Dion. Oh. Like a, like an eight or a deeper deeper center mid. He gets the ball, can be shifty, can get out, dribble out of pressure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He's, Speaking uh, of uh, like prospects, I've gone on like I watched – so I was going through my YouTube liked videos and it was a uh, Gideon Zalalam all touches versus Chelsea from like, you know, seven years ago or whatever. So ever since I rewatched that video, all of my suggested videos, like all these Gideon Zalalam highlight videos, and I just keep rewatching them. And it's like, I could see why he never like turned out to be like anything like at the top, top level. But you could also see why people loved him too. Like, he had, like, pillows for feet. Like, the ball was just soft and smooth and, like, easy at his feet, you know? Yeah. Man, what happened to that guy? I mean, he's playing for New York City FC now, right? Is he, like, first team minutes? or? I think he's first team, but n- not the minutes. I kind of hope he plays against the Union. Yeah. 
I feel like that's the player that, like Union would want to play against where they could he takes a lot of touches, you could press him. Yeah. All right. But I will say with unknown prospects, like the guys at RB Salzburg are known. Like they're in the um they're in the Champions League. But like there's always a guy coming through that team always. that's like the yeah. next guy. Yeah. Like this guy like Noah Okafor is supposed to be really good. Mm-hmm. There's the other guy who was linked to like Man United or Just Liverpool. Go. Yeah. He's a big guy, like plays on the wing. Yeah, or a nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he subbed in today against Chelsea. Um, all right. Before we head on to the next question, just want to shout out our uh, our newest sponsor, our friends over at Inform Sportswear. Oh, a new sponsor, huh? Uh, yes, sir. Um, yeah, we posted a, a little collab mm-hmm. uh, post the other day. Um, they sent us some. We got some pairs over here. So if you guys are big uh, soccer drip fans, um, they cre- they just launched a product, uh, grip socks, soccer-specific grip socks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys can check them out, www. www.informsportswear.com. Uh, inf- at Inform Sportswear on TikTok and Instagram. Um Andrew, you wore the socks before? Yeah. I, like, to be honest, I was just a regular soccer sock wearer, like full sock. Like, not, don't even cut them. And <laughs> then I got into, like, the grip socks, and I was like, I was like, okay, these are, these are all right. And then I just went from that to, like, just cut socks. Like, so I just wear, like, my Nike dry fits or something. Yeah. And, like, I thought that was okay. And then, like, I, I got back into the grip sock, and I was like, if I – continue to play like competitively like why wouldn't i just wear grip socks and um i mean these are like they're nice like they feel nice like you put them on and you're like this is a, a pair of socks that i like that just happen to have grips on them that look cool like yeah. some of them feel like they're like you know they, they don't feel like a sock they feel like you're wearing something heavy on your feet it's like isn't that kind of like doesn't that defeat the purpose of grip socks yeah Everyone like actually give you like the traction in your cleat. It, it feels it feels nice. Yeah, everyone knows how expensive the major grip sock brands are. Mm-hmm. Forty five dollars for a pair of socks. I would rather not pay that. I'd rather probably spend fifteen dollars, maybe a little mm-hmm. more for two pairs, over at Inform Sportswear. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are interested, check them out. You can find them. Probably find it through our. Instagram, the On the Half Turn podcast Instagram. We'll or, put it in our uh, link tree link that's in the in the bio of all of our socials. Yep, we could do that. Yep. Cool. All right. All right. You ready for the next question? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. This one's specifically for you, Andrew. Just me. I can. Just you. you. All right. Team, just for you. So, who is Andrew's favorite manager to watch at the moment? Like watch their team like play. to like I to watch him on the sidelines or watch his teams play. Watch his teams play. Hmm. All right. So once again, like I feel like I'm ahead of these trends just before they hit the mainstream. Oh my gosh. So like I was a Brighton guy before like before Graham Potter was mainstream and before it was like, oh Graham Potter might take Chelsea. But Graham Potter so I, I like Graham Potter's teams at Brighton, like the early days of Brighton. And then I really liked uh, – I, lo- I love Deserby. I love the way Deserby's Brighton play. 
in like the 3-4-3 setup. And De Zerbi was making noise back at like Swasolo in Italy. So I would say that those two as well. So every time, like if you take it to now and what you could watch now, I would say like Grand Potter's Chelsea will give you something a little bit tactically different every time. De Zerbi is so like unique in like his slow, like methodical buildup. Um, taking it more mainstream, I think like just Guardiola's Manchester City is just like you just you don't beat it, right? Um, and then if you're getting like more more down into it, like like uh, to be honest, like I sound like a homer, but like Jim Curtin in the Union, like that team is so well prepared. They know their they know their stuff. Like I don't know how you're not intrigued with that team. Like, they just know exactly when they want to play it long, where the space is to play it, when they need to play short, like, when to press, when to, like, absorb pressure in a mid-block. So, I feel like I need to put this in a in certain categories, right? Like, if you're talking pressing and, like, defensive organization, I think the union are over here. But if you're talking, like, intrigue and possession, I think it's Deserby. There's uh, Gasparini's teams at Atlanta, pretty interesting. Um, hmm. Who else? Throwing uh, what's his name, Spalletti, at Napoli. Yeah, Napoli are playing well. I just haven't been able to watch watch yeah. much of Napoli. Just to how good they are this season. Yeah. So the one thing I haven't been able to find. I read like one article and watched like three or four videos, and like that was the only information I could find was last year's Jong Ajax team. Like Ajax's B team. And like the the way like these clips were like sequenced together, it was blowing my mind. Like it, it looked like the best soccer I've ever seen. But like I can't find full games of them anywhere. So like my interest just kind of died there because I, I can't go watch them anywhere. It's like I can find the results, but I can't find the, the actual video. But it was like a You can watch highlights on YouTube. Yeah, the highlights. Don't, I don't want to see like they're okay, just their well, goals. I want to see the whole game. Yeah, but uh, maybe maybe I'll just start watching the highlights, see what I can pick up. But it, it was like, like in the U.S., like you hear people talk about like Dutch like total football, where people can like play every position and rotate and interchanges and stuff. Like that's what I feel like that is, and at least here in the U.S. or whatever level we've played at, that was never taught. Like interchanges, rotations, that kind of stuff. It's maybe that's just the way we coach and teach here but like that's what i feel like that is like coached at the highest level uh so i thought that was like that was like blowing my mind so john j o n g i x uh i would i would put in that category as well um and then like like as basic as it sounds too like i'm i'm always intrigued with the teams that are like Curtin, Jim Curtin and the Union aren't like all out press all the time, but some teams are. And like I'm intrigued with how people um, like categorize and like teach that style of soccer. You know what I mean? Which is why I also find Julian Nagelsmann pretty interesting as well because Bayern are going to dominate the ball and they're going to make it expansive and they're going to go and they're going to score goals. But he also has to counter press like crazy. So they can't be a totally pressing, counter-pressing team. They have to be, like, slow and methodical sometimes, too, which is why I think they've struggled. But, like, I still think Nagelsmann's probably, like, a top three coach in the world. So, like, I'm kind of all over the place here. And I'm not just, 
like it they're all intriguing all of these guys I'm, I'm naming yeah well you got um like the Derby, for example like in a footballing sense mm. and you got Jim Curtin in the union in like a management sense mm-hmm. like how they like you said how they prepare for games how he sets up his team and get the yeah. results and then you go over to like Zhang Ajax it's like a developmental yeah sense. so like yep and then you pick and choose what you like really and then you kind of formulate how you want to see yeah see and then you got like a from a Julian Nagelsmann type at Bayern where it's like a combination of all of these and him saying I'm taking this style but I have to elevate it to the next level and change it to something else like Maybe it's where you define it as I want to build up and possess like this. I want to counter press like this. I want to defend like this. I want to score goals like this and like piece them together. And like that's kind of creating your game model. And like, all right, call me a homer, call me basic, whatever. Like everything the U.S. national team does is pretty interesting. Like Greg Berhalter, whether he can get the best out of this team or not or advance us in the World Cup – like, everything he does, I guarantee, is done with a purpose. And I guarantee it's well-coached, well-taught, well-structured uh, like in terms of the words and the phrases that that team uses. Whether it works and it's that, like, and it's correct on the day, like, we don't know. But, like, I guarantee he is a good coach. He just might not be a good coach in, in this setting. Structuring a good training session is a part. Yeah. Well, I think all good coaches at the highest level can structure training sessions that would like blow our minds just because we haven't like seen it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's more too. Like every once in a while, there's like a couple MLS guys that uh, that interest me. Yeah. Nice man. Was that a good answer? That was a great answer. That's I could put it. I could. I could have organized it a little more, but I just kind of winged it. That's definitely going to be clipped at some point. Anyone in the na- anyone any national teams? Eh, maybe not. Other than the U.S., like national teams don't really do a whole lot now. And then if you're thinking of um, like I always talk about that Portuguese U21 team, right? Uh, like I don't know how like good of a coach that guy is, but like that development system clearly brought all of those players to that point. So then you got to look at like that coach that developed or system that developed those players is also intriguing to me and would also be a, a joy to watch if I could more frequently. Yeah. Over the course of a month. Yes. More like two weeks. Good answer. All right. I think this is question six. Do you think the USMNT should play more direct or do you think they should build up? I think this question is specific to the World Cup, this upcoming World Cup. Do you want to go first? You go first. All right, I'll go first. I think they should do whatever's got them there, right? Which is building up, yeah. Nothing crazy. They're they're sort of build-up structure, whatever. But then in the World Cup, you're going to need a plan B. And maybe your plan B is more direct. So that's that's my simple answer. So you got to be able to do both. I mm-hmm. think I think you do it 
until you need to try something else, then maybe you catch the other team by trying trying to play more direct. If you need a goal, right? That's why I think the U.S. should bring in PFOC because he brings something different than all the other forwards, right? If you, if you need to put balls into the box, PFOC's probably your guy, mm-hmm. right, to put up there. So I think you do what you that got you here to the World Cup. And if you need to do something else, don't be afraid to switch it up and try something else to try and get that result, right? Unless... I feel like what this is what you're going to say. You'd rather lose playing the best soccer we can. Yeah. That, that, I'd rather win playing more soccer. Yeah, like, I get you. And, like, in the span of a game, like, if, if we went in, like, you know, 75th minute, we're down a goal or something, like, lump it forward sometimes to play a little more direct. Like, I don't mind that. And, like, part of being a possession-based team is – to exploit space somewhere. So if they're just going to high press the, the heck out of you, like, yeah, there's space behind, like go take it. But I would also just rather play good soccer, like keep the ball moving, pass it around. And like, if that comes with a loss or costs us a game or a goal, I'd be okay with that as well. Cause that, that's what I want to see from a soccer standpoint. I'm tired of not seeing our players, not good enough at the thing that makes like soccer like the, the beautiful game, you know? Yeah. And maybe we don't have the players for it. And to be honest, I don't, I don't really care either. Like, like develop them, do something like to me, this isn't a one-time world cup thing. Like I'm at the point where I, like I'm in it for the, the long run. I, I want to see us win a world cup. I want to see us develop better players. I want to see us like dominate games and stretches and tournaments. And like, I, I'd rather sacrifice a world cup to get, get to a higher level the next time. But in the span of, like, a 10-minute stretch and we're under pressure, like, I don't mind, like, hitting a few longer passes and letting someone run on to them. Yeah. Last uh, podcast, you said you wanted the U.S. to stick with what they were saying about change the way the the world views American soccer. Mm-hmm. What do you think – and I thought about it. What do you think Burhalter meant by that? You think he meant, like – development developmentally or that specific group well i'm not sure if burhalter has much say in the development at all or knows what he's talking about in in the development sense i think he means the group as in hey what's america's style and they look at the national team and they're like wow they, they're really dominating the ball and taking you know putting teams on the back foot because jurgen klinsman said that too and he didn't do it he never developed a style or an identity to do it so I, I feel like now Burhalter's like, heck, we're going to do it. And I hope, I'm hoping he sticks to it. Now, there's different ways to do it. To just say, oh, you're a possession-based team doesn't mean you have to play like one specific uh, like style of the game. Uh, but if, if we're going to be the aggressor, have our foot on the ball, pin the other team back, I'd rather see that. Like Part of the problem in that Japan game was like we were on the back foot, but we had the ball. So Japan was just like sitting compact, would junk up the middle, steal the ball and go. But what he talks about with like playing a high line with Aaron Long or whatever you want to say about center backs, like we need to be in the opponent's half, whether that's via press, possession, whatever, taking the game to them. And I think that's what he means is like the U.S. isn't just a pushover. The U.S. is going to dominate that game. 
And I also think set pieces are a part of it too. Like, yes, set pieces are ugly, but the U.S. just hired a set piece coach for the World Cup, and we were bad on set pieces in the run-up of these, like, most recent friendlies. So, like, maybe we turn it on in the set pieces. We have a couple good set pieces, and, like, think about it. You score a set piece, and it takes so much pressure off you. Like, the game's easier, right? Like, any game you play or coach in, you score a set piece or two, like, yeah, like, oh, the other team might be like, oh, they scored on a set piece, they're lucky. But you're going to remember the flow of the game more often, right? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? 40% of goals scored on set pieces? Is that a thing? I thought that's what they told me when I was young. But... Is that it? Is that what it for your answer? Yeah. Right. What are we on? Question, what, seven? So give me the short form of the of your answer. Uh, for the listeners. Uh, I want us to play a possession-based, aggressive style, you know, taking players on. I want us to be the better team in the games. Even if we're not the better team, I want to try to be the better team. For the end goal of eventually being better in future World Cups. Yes. Okay. All right. Into the final two questions on the World Cup. Nice transition here. Mm. Probably the best question of them all coming in. What is the hottest take you have, or if you have multiple takes, going into the World Cup? Hmm. You want me to go first? It's a tough question. If you got one, yeah, go ahead. All right. So... I mean, I think we all have some hot takes on players, but the hottest take, like I've said it before, is that th- like this isn't the most talented group of players we've ever had. And I feel like people just like accept that at this point because of like where some of these players play club soccer at. And like maybe I'll be proven wrong because of coaching, just performances in general by some big-time players that we have, but I don't feel like this is the most talented group. And, like, we're playing other very talented teams. So, like, I think my uh, my hot take is that, like, we're, we're not just going to walk on the field and be better than Wales or Iran and well, definitely not England. But we could, still, we could still be in those games. I think we'll be set up to win those games. And, and, like, maybe the hot take turns from we're not as talented as people say to I think Burhalter will have them more prepared than the other teams. You think they'll have him? Pro- he'll have him properly paired, prepared. Yes. All right. Because sometimes I think he over prepares or thinks okay. too much. Well, I, I think now's the time to be over prepared. Okay. Yeah, you you said that like maybe the past thirty podcasts. <laughs> so uh, it's good that we keep we keep that rolling. What's your hot take? Um, dude, I, that's a t- like. I thought probably the most balanced team is going to win the World Cup. We see a lot of teams who are like uh, like top-heavy, like a uh, team like um, Argentina maybe. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of good attacking players. But maybe they don't have as good of center mid. Well, they do have some good center mids and center backs. But like, I think the most balanced teams win in these types of uh, tournaments. Look at France in the last World Cup. Mm-hmm. They they were set up to basically be balanced, right? They played Matuidi at left mid. 
left midfield. Like they put him there just so he could balance out the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking teams like obviously France again. Um, who are the other ones? Hold up, I haven't written down. You talking about like who you think? Uh, so your hot take is more like calling out the teams you think are going to win. Yeah, like the most balanced teams I think are going to succeed. So I wrote down four: France, Brazil. In terms of their starting eleven, they're going to be Brazil's ridiculous, bro. Yeah, they're insane. England, I think, are pretty balanced. They just have to find it. I don't think Mm -hmm. they have found found it yet. Yeah, and then the Netherlands. Netherlands. I was looking at their path. On they can they can make a run at it. They would play the second place team in our group, the USA's group. Yeah. So that that seems like pretty fair but draw. They could also like they could also drop points and maybe finish second and Senegal finishes first or something. And then then they play England second round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is I'm trying to say like if they finish first they get a favorable draw. Mm-hmm. Um, then they would have to play Argentina in the next round, and then probably Brazil in the, in the semifinal. But if they can win a few of those games, then beat Argentina. Like they could yeah. be on their way. They have a pretty good squad. They're very balanced. Like, where's the weakness in their team, dude? It, it's crazy to think about the World Cup coming up. Like, I'm just thinking of like. The U.S. like on the same field as like the Netherlands or England, like it's nuts. Yeah, it's gonna be wild. Yeah. So I guess my uh, hot take is that the most, like I said, the most balanced teams are gonna do well in the World Cup. Um, and I, I like the Netherlands. They're just that's just kind of a hot hot take that I think. I mean, the Netherlands who's the talented team that's not balanced? Um, I. See, I didn't look at it from that way. I just kind of looked at it from the balanced teams. Not so you're just like, balanced. who's good? Are they balanced? Yes. All right, contender. I could like the first one that came to my mind was Argentina because in the past they've been like, how do they fit Iguain? How do I? How do they fit Di Maria, Messi, Dybala all on the same field together? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not sure. I haven't looked too much into their squad. But if they have that problem again, like they could have problems at the World Cup, is what I'm trying to say. So like teams like that. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So like even the U.S. is kind of like that a bit. Just, just as well. Gotcha. I'm sure we'll have a few other hot takes. I thought it was more like U.S. centric. That's why I'd, I could have thought of a, a hot take like around another team. But yeah, I just thought about it overall. Mm-hmm. World Cup. Um, yeah, but when we do these, uh, these podcasts in the future about the World Cup, I'm sure we'll start to gain some more hot takes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, All right. Last question. Final question. All right. What are our plans for the World Cup? Hmm. What do we plan to do? My thought was like, We'll, we'll see when the schedule drops, but maybe um, like a, a podcast the night of the U.S. game, like a reaction pod to the other stuff that happened in Group B. And then like a podcast after each like window, like all of the groups play their first game, 
podcast. So like, there's uh, games like podcast after U.S. game group whatever H finishes their last game podcast. So each after each round of games, there's two podcasts. One reacting to the national team in Group B, the other reacting to everything else. And then I think maybe if there's time for more, we do more. Right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think there's also an opportunity to get other people in the podcast as well. Talk mm-hmm. talk about it, you know? Like yeah. I have a friend who's Uruguayan. Maybe he comes on and talks a little bit about Uruguay for a little bit. Yeah. Know? Something like that. Like when, when other what other time are we going to talk about Uruguay? Like one of these countries, you know? Other than the World Cup. So. Yeah. I think leading up to the World Cup, my plan was like, uh, I mean, we still have three weeks or so before it really kicks in, right? So maybe in the next two weeks, we get our prep together for mo- like a more in-depth preview. And we go through like groups A through D previewing, um, you know, the team, like players to watch, group predictions for a few of the groups. Similar then- to our Euros preview. Yeah, but we'll break it up more and try to get like go like a little bit more in depth. Yeah, I agree. And then maybe like I think what would also be nice is like like we talk about England, right? And like how they develop like young players and like the state of soccer in that country. Like I feel like that would be cool too. Like not saying we got to like analyze like Qatar's like youth soccer structure, but like maybe we look at the Netherlands youth soccer structure or something like as part of the preview as well. Okay. Will be yeah. kind of interesting. Put like our own like little like development spin on it. Yeah, that's up your alley. It is up my alley. Plenty of books to read about that stuff too. I have one about the Dutch like development model. I have a soccer nomics book. I still want to read. Bunch of stuff, man. So should be good. I think I'm a plan to watch every game. Well, yeah, I got to. I, I even if I can't because of work or whatever, I'm gonna rewatch it. Like, yeah, exactly. Watch. Like tape it. Yeah. Just I just want to get tactical too. I don't. I don't want to come on here and be like, "Yeah, the U.S. Uh, or like you know, Uruguay tied whatever, and it was a good game, and uh, Suarez or something like that." Like I'm trying to like get into it. Like this team played this formation. This is where they wanted to move the ball. This is what the other team did to stop it. Like you're right. Anybody can talk about the result, but can they talk about how it went? Yeah. Like like I, like, I want to be like valuable to people. Like if you want like information like go check the score go listen to like some other like goofy podcast but like it's pnfc yeah we're trying to get into it man yeah um is that the last question i i got practice to go to pretty soon that was the last question all right so yeah so we'll we'll be back maybe it'll be soccer world cup news maybe it'll just be some other topic but uh yeah this is episode 43 Yes, second Q&A on the Half Turn Podcast history. Yeah, maybe we'll do one during the World Cup too, that'd be cool. Yeah. All right, we good? Yep. All right, I'll see you. All right, peace.